From Uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the weekly grind of a season. I'm your host, Nate Burleson, and this is Week 9. We are joined by my three favorite co-hosts, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders of the NFC South leading New Orleans Saints. I think my favorite part after the game was uh, Sean Payton's speech. Jameis goes, hey coach, you got to show us how to eat a W. And Sean Payton did his always. I mean, he just went after the W like. <laughs> Tied in Eric Ebron of the AFC North leading Pittsburgh Steelers. My Rolls Royce truck. Oh my God, I got cussed out for that so bad. You know, she hates it. But she be wanting to ride in that thing sometimes. You know what I'm saying? She be like, we taking your car? I be like, oh, now you want to take my car? Man, whatever. And safety Jamal Adams of the NFC West leading Seattle Seahawks. I was so fired up and I told him, let me loose. Keep feeding me. I told him I'm a lion. So he was smiling under his mask. I can see him smiling, but he was like, calm down, calm down. Before we get to this episode, quick timeout. 17 Weeks is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. New episodes drop every Thursday. You can listen on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Also, be sure you follow us on social media at 17 Weeks Pod for more content from the guys. Wherever you listen to it, though, be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, and share the show, too, while you're at it. All right, let's get to this episode. It's time for The Breakdown. The second Sunday of November gave us several exciting matchups and some even more surprising results. First up, Eric Steelers went down to Dallas where they fell behind to the Cowboys 13-0. He jumped right over Savion Smith and the Steelers have taken the lead with 2.14 remaining. With just over two minutes left, Pittsburgh rallied to pull out a 24-19 victory on Eric's game-winning touchdown catch that included him hurtling over a defender to get into the end zone. The Steelers are now 8-0. Eric, how does it feel to still be undefeated and the only unbeaten team left? It's surreal right now. It's dope. I feel like every team I've been a part of, I've done something history-wise with that team. Like the Lions, we went to the playoffs for the first time and whatever, whatever. Um, we went to the playoffs twice when I was there, actually. Indianapolis, you know, we start the season one and five, and then we win, went out, and still make the playoffs. And now I'm 8-0 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe it's not my fault for me bouncing around all these franchises because I'm doing something or I'm a part of something everywhere I go. <laughs> so it's just funny. Ben said this in the locker room, and it kind of put it in perspective, and I don't think a lot of people think about it that way. Out of all the great talents, out of all the great teams and talents, I mean players, and all the great teams that have came through Pittsburgh, only one of them have ever went 8-0. Insane to think about. So um, it's, it's cool, man. We 8-0. Holla at us. What's up? <laughs> Eric, tell us what happened on that game-winning touchdown. Whatever. I mean, flying, flying whatever. It was a damn touchdown. So... Um, that was fun, man. It was dope. Nice play design, simple play, and it just I just made a I just made a simple play into a great play and we won the game. Big Ben seemed to have suffered an injury to his left knee. He stayed in the game to finish the drive, which culminated in a 17-yard TD pass to wide receiver James Washington. Eric, when Big Ben left for the locker room to get his left knee checked out, were you all concerned? 
I wasn't worried, man. Have you seen his injury report? That dude be playing through whatever. Really, honestly, all I had to do was just encourage him. That was really my job throughout the game was just encourage my quarterback to make sure he know that we got his back. Like, it's hard to sit in that pocket with people breathing down your neck. They got four, maybe five first-round picks. Three of them were at defensive end. It's, it's tough. Like, we had a tough you know, outing. You know, people are like, oh, the Cowboys this, the Cowboys that. Well, their defense aren't hurting, isn't hurting, and they get players back that week. It's their offense that's struggling. If their offense could play somewhat good, they're not a bad team. You know what I'm saying? So it it, it is what it is. And had they had Dak Prescott, we might have been we might have been in some trouble. But you know, we fought and we came out on top. And one of the more anticipated games of the week. Emmanuel Saints went on the road Sunday night and demolished the Buccaneers 38-3 in the worst defeat of Tom Brady's career. The win was huge, giving New Orleans a commanding division lead over Tampa Bay and moving them into the current top seeding in the NFC. Emmanuel, how did it feel? You know, it felt good. You know, I'm not going to sit up here and be like, ah, oh, yeah. Like, it felt good to go out and dominate them, especially in our division. Tom Brady, right? Drew Brees are going at it. And even though Drew, you know, uh, you know, he respects Tom to the ultimate degree. And he didn't he didn't say anything about it. But I know as a team it felt good because we know that they're battling for the record, right? And Drew, Drew and I gonna say, because like he's just a classy dude like that. But yeah, in my head, I was like, come on, let's go. Throw more touchdown passes, you know, because it's the battle of the touchdown record, right? And so Oh, it felt good for Drew to go out and throw four passes and four touchdown passes, and, and we blew him out in that form. So, any noticeable after effects from sitting out two games due to COVID nineteen? Like I could tell, I had set out ten days in that game. Like my legs were heavy, even on the touchdown that I scored. Like most of the time, I'm able to like come out of that in like one cut, and I kind of stumbled out of it, right? And I was like, I was like, I'm not gonna blame it on COVID. I'm not gonna blame it on COVID. But thank God, like. I got Drew Brees as a quarterback to be able to hold the ball and, and deliver me an opportunity to at least extend my arms out and catch the ball. But uh, I definitely felt the whole COVID factor uh, in the game just from, you know, not be, not running for 10 days and, you know, that that whole nature. But uh, now I'm looking forward to this week. I just I just finished getting the workout in and, and running and, and building my leg strength back up uh, so I can be ready to roll. Brees under pressure, throws, and reaching for it is Emmanuel Sanders for the touchdown. Even though you just about faked the defender out of his cleats, you weren't completely satisfied with the route you ran on your 12-yard touchdown catch. I was I was on the bench, and I was just telling Mike, I was like, bro, like I, I could have really killed him even more. Like, and I'm I'm just I'm disappointed. And my coach walks to me, he goes, he goes, what are you talking about? I was like, man, like I stumbled out of. He was like, you scored. It was a good route. I was like, nah, it, it's not. It just wasn't up to my expectations. Uh, the Saints defense intercepted three of Tom Brady's passes and sacked him three times. Emmanuel, any special incentive defeating Brady? I love it. Look, I don't have a problem with Tom Brady, but hey, anytime you get to smash a Tom Brady, who doesn't appreciate that? Tom done beat up the entire league so many times. He's like the big bully of the league. So when that bully gets beat up, everybody like when the bully get beat up. <laughs> now, he's not bullying on purpose, but he's been a bully in this league for a very long time. And uh, the only person he really haven't been able to bully is Drew. And I'm not I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for Drew. Right. I'm speaking for myself in that, you know, Drew is, I think, five and two versus Tom. 
So that's 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 an impressive record. What was the Saints locker room like after the game? Before the game, we just we just be chilling. Like the Saints, like uh, like most locker rooms, like a guy will bring a speaker and they be blasting music, and it's like it's like a, a vibe. But the Saints, like everybody has to wear headphones. It's complete silence in there. Like if you don't have your headphones, and that's just how they roll. And at first, like it was an adjustment for me, uh, but now I'm starting to like it, right? Because everybody likes their own set of music. Everybody like, and so like you focus how you gotta focus. After the game, we was lit. And I know, I know uh, everybody was, like, watching the stories. Dude, like, I, I went back the next morning. I was watching it. I was like, it looked like we were having a party and we were drinking in there. And that just goes to show, like, people feel like they got to drink to have a good time. You do not have to drink to have a good time, bro. We was in there having a good time. And, and if you go and look, like, you would be like, oh, man, this guy's drunk. Or he, like, he's drinking or something, right? It's like, man, we just lit off the game. Video of ex-Bucks starting QB and current Saints backup QB Jameis Winston eating a W in the New Orleans Saints locker room was all over social media. Emmanuel, what was that all about? Jameis funny. Jameis funny is crazy because, like, leading up to that game, Jameis, like, we have this thing. It's called Craig's Corner in which we, like, highlight a player's, like, career ever since they started in high school and they kind of throw some jokes in there and jabs and show where they're from and whatever. And the motto of, of the week was, is like, Jameis eating the W, right? And it was just funny because, like, they showed it and everybody busted out laughing. You know, so after the game, I think my favorite part of the game, after the game was uh, Sean Payton's speech. Like, after he got done, like, with his speech, Jameis goes, hey, coach, you got to show us how to eat a W, and Sean Payton did his own. I mean, he just went after the W. Like, everybody went crazy. It was, it, was, it was a legendary moment for me. It was funny. The high-flying Seahawks went into Buffalo where they met their match, falling to the Bills 44-34. This was Jamal's first action since suffering the groin strain versus Dallas in Week 3. Despite the results, feel good to be back out there, Jamal? Yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, my body's starting to feel like it used to feel before, you know, the injury, obviously, and um, that was a good sign. I thought I would come out a lot sore. You know, I, I really thought, you know, my crone was going to be killing me. Um, but, you know, it, it, it turned out to, you know, be on the right the right path of, you know, recovery and, and you know, how I, how I, you know, took care of it and, and whatnot and the things I did, um, the doctors that I seen, uh, that was big for me. So, Jamal, you had five tackles and one and a half sacks. How do you feel like you played? Man, I was rusty. Golly, <laughs> I was rusty. Not proud of my performance, um, but, you know, it's it's part of the game. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes you have great games, sometimes you don't. And I didn't expect to just, from missing five weeks, to go out there and just not miss a beat. Like, I, you know, you still make mistakes. You know, you, you still have to clean up a few things. You know, you, you've been out the game for five weeks. You know, it's easier said than done, right? But I, I'm not, that's not an excuse. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I got to... I got to get it done because this is what I do. I'm a pro. Um, so to be the best, you got to you continue to be the best day in, day out. Are you concerned at all with how the defense is playing? We'll, we'll, we'll be all right, man. We'll be all right. There's there's no, you know, cats, cats were upset. Obviously, no one likes to lose, but we're still leading the division. Uh, we have a tough opponent coming up, the L.A. Rams. Um, and, you know, we, we, we got to get back to the basics. We got to get back to the fundamentals. Um, and that's everybody, you know. We just got to we got to lock back in, um, continue to do what we do, uh, but just you know, let's 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 be a little bit more detailed. 
in our work. And that's everybody, you know, and, and everything starts with yourself. It starts with me. You know what I mean? I got to get better, um, you know, with what I have to do on the field, right? I got to be accountable to my teammates. My teammates are counting on me to make plays, to do my job, right? And vice versa. Um, glad it happened. Um, as crazy as that sounds, but, you know, it's, it's preparing us for the long run, man. It's preparing us for where we're trying to go. We're, we're, we're still working. We're, we're, we'll, be, we'll be fine. We'll be fine, man. Josh Allen threw for 415 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. What happened? How was he so successful? It was a, it was a man, we, we just couldn't slow him down. You know what I mean? They, at the end of the day, all three phases, they kicked our ass, man. You know, we got a salute to him. And, and you know, that, that's a well-coached ball club. I already knew what type of game it was going to be. Um, obviously due to the, you know, the ex-rivalry. You know, I, I know those guys. Those guys, you know, they, they're, they're tough nose. They're fans, et cetera, all of it, man. They're, they've gotten better day in, day out. Every year they get better. Since I've been with the Jets to now, they, they're continuing to get better. We're not in panic mode. We're just, you know, as competitors, you never want to lose. But when you lose, you got to learn from it. You got to learn why you lost, right? They, they came out victorious, and we didn't. We, we got punched under the chin, and, you know, we couldn't get out the fight. We got to go back to the basics, go back to the fundamentals, and get right back to it Wednesday. A whole new mindset. Like, that game's over with. 24-hour rule. Jamal, it looked like you and Coach Carroll had a brief, animated conversation on the sidelines in the third quarter. Is that what it really was? Nah, man. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, again, man, that's the media. I, I, I've never screamed at Pete in my life. And obviously, I just met, met the guy. I've, I've never disrespected Pete and never will. Um, I have so much respect for that guy. You know, for, for the media and for people that do believe that that is not what happened. What happened was I was so fired up that I ended up getting two two sacks, or I think it was after my first sack, and I told him, let me loose. Keep feeding me. I told him I'm a lion. That's what I told him. So he was smiling under his mask. I can see him smiling, but he was like, calm down, calm down. It's crazy that you you said that, man. I, I definitely did not know. After a game like that, that long flight back to Seattle from Buffalo must have felt even longer, huh? Hell yeah, that's a long flight, bro. It's crazy you it's crazy you said that because I couldn't even sleep. I didn't even sleep until like the last hour. But going but going was not too bad. I think it was like four, four and a half. I stayed up the whole time watching films, so it was pretty cool. I know the answer to this, but how do you guys pass time on flights? Everybody just relaxing, man, enjoying the company. That's what it's about. It's Bro, that's why it's so this this game is so special. Like supporting, you know, the guys that you play with before, or you know, this is this this goes deeper than football, man. This is this is this is where you build friendships, best friends, and so it's it's pretty cool to see people, you know, still you know balling and whatnot, ex teammates and whatnot. You know, the guys in New York, I love, I always support them because you know, those are those are my teammates, man. I have nothing but love for them, so it's pretty cool, man. Eric, your family was able to attend Sunday's game. What was that like being able to spend time with them, especially in a year of COVID-19? Yeah, I was chilling with them before the game, um, the day before the game. Uh, it was cool, man, because I don't really, like I say, I don't really get to see them a lot because, you know, they stay in Houston and I'm here due to all the COVID stuff, which is a good thing because this, this outbreak is getting out of hand right now. And we're trying to, you know, trying to make sure that it, doesn't get spread everywhere you know it's just a good thing that my family isn't here so 
Yeah, so I saw them. It was pretty dope. They drove three and a half, four hours to Dallas. And um, yeah, we spent some time together. It was cool. Do your sons enjoy watching you play Eric? Oh, man. My, yeah, my oldest, my three-year-old, he, my wife was telling me he could, like, people would try to talk to him. He didn't want to be bothered. He watched the game the whole time. He didn't care nothing about what people were asking him. He wanted his snacks. He wanted his drink. And he wanted to watch the game the whole time. Now, my little one, he a different story. He a wild child. He me. He is a compact me. And it's, it's hilarious. He's all over the place all the time. So, that's my guy right there, though. I love him. Everybody everybody else be hating on him, but that's my guy. <laughs> Emmanuel, after a big win like yours over the Bucks, how are you feeling about the Saints overall? You know, I've said on this podcast several times, we're winning, but it's just not the team that I know that we need to be. Like, I, like if you look at our roster and you look at our coach and you look at our coaches, it's just like, like when is it going to click? Like, when is it going to click? And we were winning games. We were sitting at four and two, and I just didn't feel feel comfortable because I maybe it's because experience of me playing in a league a long time. Like I know what it's supposed to look like, and I know that if we're gonna be a Super Bowl team at some point, like we gotta put it all together and like blow out a couple teams, right, to make a statement. And, and uh, what a team to do it to, right? Eric, next week you face the two five and one Bengals at Heinz Field. Is it advisable for a 2-5-1 team to seemingly go out of its way to disrespect the 8 no Steelers on social media? You saw what they tweeted? They t- tweeted uh, TJ Huzmanzada wiping a towel on his cleats. Talk about Steelers week. So I responded with a teary face because it's funny. Like, I understand it's a rivalry, and I understand y'all don't like each other. But what the – who the – like <laughs> – who are y'all? No, no. <laughs> like, it, I could understand if y'all was like dominating a scene or making, you know, noise or like up and coming or like doing something positive. But like, come on, bro. Like, that's just total disrespect, man. And I hate disrespect. So that just that blew me. Like, so now I got now I got a whole nother mind frame for Cincinnati because. You don't do stuff like that, man. Like, you don't, you don't tweet no stuff like that. Like, y'all, think, y'all thought that was cool. Like, they really thought that was cool. So, we'll see. Jamal, next up for the Seahawks is a division game versus Jared Goff and the 5-3 and three Rams in L.A. Yeah, that's a talented group, man. Um, both sides of the ball. They got a lot of they got a lot of stars over there, man, that can go. So we gotta be ready to go. And, and we gotta we gotta have a great, a great week of practice, which I know we will, you know, and then get to the game and execute. Do what we do. This coming Sunday, the Saints host one of Emmanuel's former teams, the injured, riddled 4-5 and San Francisco 49ers. We wondered if he might have shared any insights on his old team with his new team. But there are some things a player apparently isn't even comfortable divulging on his own podcast. I don't want to talk about that. Cause then, yeah, because then Sean going to be like, man, you went and disclosed me for me. He already be on me here. I... I He'll walk up to me and just tell me some stuff that he know about me next day. Hey, don't be on your podcast. <laughs> don't be on your podcast. But it's not. It's not like on some like angry. It's always on some jokes stuff. I just you know we me and him got our mutual respect. In case you're wondering, Emmanuel was kind of excited to play against his former teammates. I'm looking forward to playing against San Fran, but I'm looking forward to kicking their ass. When I tell you this, I'm looking forward to kicking their ass. And the reason why is because I got so much love in that organization for everybody that I know that they're not going to take it hard, right? But 
it's competition. And I've been telling Kyle, I think I, t- I spoke with Kyle, I spoke with Wes, I spoke with D-Boy, I spoke with KB. And, you know, they've been talking talking smack back and forth, right? And I was just going to kick their ass. Go back to the locker room. I'll see, I'll see you guys later. But I still love y'all. But we just kick y'all ass. And it's not it's not fair because they missing a, a whole bunch of their dogs. But, hey, that's, that's not my problem. <laughs> This week on The Huddle Up. Eric, Jamal, and Emmanuel share their thoughts on a subject nobody likes to talk about. Money. What it's like when a young professional athlete signs a big contract. And the immediate wealth that comes with it. How it affects relationships. How he has to learn to deal with old friends. And long lost loved ones hitting them up for loans. Emmanuel, remember how your life changed? What was it like for you? That's just the nature of, you know, the NFL. Uh, because, you know, a lot of NFL players, we... Like, we come from really nothing, right? And so, like, we, we battle our way in at 18, we go to college, and at 22, a majority of us are turning into millionaires. And so, you know, it's a it's a quick change. And, um, you know, Mike Tomlin used to always tell me, like, money ain't going to change you. Money's not going to change you. Money's going to make you more of who you are. And he said, he said money's not going to change you either. It's going to change the people around you. And so, therefore, you're going to have to change because they're going to start treating you different and looking at you different. And so, I remember a situation when I was in Pittsburgh. It was a guy crying in the cafeteria because, like, you got to think, like, like right when you enter the NFL, like, most of these guys are on rookie salary, $400,000. After taxes, you take that out, that's two hundred, and 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 you got to get housing, obviously. So, this guy was crying in the cafeteria because his mom wanted him to buy her a brand-new Range Rover. And the moment that he told her no, she she pretty much disowned him and, and gave him an attitude, right? I was just blown away that I had to sit at the cafeteria and talk with this guy about his mother upset that he won't buy her a brand new Range Rover when he barely even had 200000 in his bank account. And that's a $100,000 car. It can make people wary, can it? You know, sometimes, like, when people know who you are, it actually ends up being a negative. Like, you know, my wife goes places and... Um, for some reason, you know, she gets her, her nails done. For some reason, now the prices jump up to $150 from $50, right? So uh, it's, a, it's, it's never a positive thing in which you think is actually a reverse. Uh, and obviously, they trying to, they trying to, you know, they trying to make a, a way for themselves. And sometimes it's at the value of cheating somebody who they know has more than the rest. And so uh, I've been uh, through this my whole life. You know, even when I was get my cars washed at one point i remember you know a guy came and washed my car and i saw his prices and he put his prices away and it was 40 dollars for uh like a regular car uh and like 60 dollars for an suv well he watched my range rover and that ended up being a hundred dollars and then for my lamborghini he tried to charge me 130 dollars right i'm like how is this possible he goes well your Lamborghini's not a regular car. I'm like, how did you wash it different than a regular car? It's actually smaller than a regular car. What are you talking about? So I had got into an argument with him, and that was kind of my way. That was probably like eight years ago. That was kind of my wake up call to like, oh snap! Like I see how people look at it, you know. And so um, since like NFL players, the moment that you sign a deal, the whole world knows exactly what kind of money you have, right? You can go on the internet and Google everybody's net worth you know exactly their contract exactly how much even if you want to go in and do it in taxes you can know that you know uh you know celebrities usually get cheated out way more than just a regular person who you know is doing well for themselves in the business world how have you learned to handle it when old friends and loved ones ask you for money 
at first, like, I remember my phone used to ring and I used to be like, man, let me call him and see who this person. Like, man, like, you know, I, I grew up with this person or anybody, right? But now, like, if somebody calls me, I, I, I don't care to answer. And then, like, I wait on the text message to see what they want. And if they ask it for something, I, I don't respond. It sucks that, you know, it feels like, and it sounds like I'm a bad person, but it's at the same time, like, I have to, I have to focus on myself and my family, right? And so, and I, but a lot of people, like, a lot of people that, like, hit me up, right? I've already done something for them. So they can't sit back and say that I haven't done anything for them. I've done something for all of my family. So, like, I do, I do not have a problem with ignoring nobody, right? Especially, like, somebody who wants something from me in which, like I've already given to you, right? And it's like, like I can't do it. I'm sorry. Jamal, what about you? How do you deal with friends and family members asking you for financial help? I think what I've learned is you got to learn to say no. And, you know, the crazy thing is I've always knew how to say no. <laughs> I was kind of raised like that, just protecting my energy and space. You know what I mean? And, you know, you got you to gotta know how to tell, tell, you know, your family you know, or your loved ones know, because sometimes it's not always the right time. And, you know, everything for me, what I believe in is everything is is, is timing. Everything got to be smart, but you can't you can't be out here just taking care of everybody. It doesn't work like that. It, 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 it can, but it's just not the smart thing to do when it comes to generational wealth. You know, sometimes it's not it's not about, you know, handouts, you know, put, it's about putting the, your loved ones in the right place to to where they're successful or whatever the case may be, or putting your boy on. It, but it's all about timing. Everything goes back to timing and what you want to do and what you, where you want to put them, you know, to set them up for, for, for life. How did you learn to handle those often uncomfortable situations? I think, it, I think what it is is I'm fortunate enough to have two parents. My mom does finance work. You know, Pops played in the league a little bit. And just them going through what they went through you know, my pops on and off the field and, you know, mom's growing up. I'm fortunate enough to learn game from them as well as others. So I think everything just, it starts with life, life experience. I think that's what makes it dope, man. Eric has a secret weapon when it comes to managing his finances, his wife. Now that I'm married and have kids and have to plan for what's next for my life um, after football, yeah, everything's pretty much no now. I mean, everything from whoever asks to whatever situation. I mean, we've only been married for a year, two years. So it's not really like something we've been practicing, but we're new. We're figuring out what our budgets are, we're figuring out, you know, what can we spend? When when do we need certain things or if we need certain things? It's it's a it's conversations that I hate having because I feel like, you know, we make X amount of money. I don't think we should really be like, oh, you know, we have to put a stop to this or this or this. But it makes total sense. And her being a mathematics major, it makes way more sense to her. So, yeah, we try to we try to balance out and still live a comfortable life. But we want to live a life in which we don't have to change in the end. You know, one that we can, you know, sustain all the way through. So, yeah. Eric remembers what it was like when he got drafted. Man, when I first got drafted, man, it was wild, bro. You see people come out the the friggin' wall sockets asking for money. So it 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 got better um, the longer I've been in the league because the older I got. And I mean, I got drafted when I was twenty, so I really didn't understand much. Um, 
financial wise, uh, financially wise, I should say. So now that I'm seven years invested in all of these different things and have other responsibilities, no becomes a lot easier to say because now I'm not only protecting myself, I'm protecting things that I care more about. Um, so it makes it easier to say no. Uh, but yeah, family, family is probably the hardest thing to be a part of in the league, man, is your, your own family members, because those be the hardest people to say no to. But those are the same people that struggled with you, that went through everything with you and ultimately didn't have the same outcome you did. But you understand where they were or are. And, you know, that becomes that becomes tough. But it's easy ways to handle that, and the easiest way to handle that is get your wife, bro. She'll tell everybody no. Promise. <laughs> Has money had an effect on your relationships with friends and family? Oh yeah, it changes relationships all the time. But at the end of the day, you're you're not you're not here to care about everybody else's feelings. That's that's who cares about everybody else's feelings. You're here to. I'm here to be a man and ultimately at the end of the day being a man is protecting my family so yeah my immediate family I did what I I feel like I've done enough for my immediate family to where I feel like I've all put them or at least tried to help all of them in in a way or a sense and now really it's all about my wife and my two kids and myself because that is my family and at the end of the day my kids will have kids and I want to be able to you know help them and do things like that. So, yeah, so now I got to start thinking more for what I, what I have and what I have is going on than everybody else. Emmanuel, how has wealth affected your relationships with people? Yeah, like my trust, my trust is definitely, uh, it's fading away more and more, uh, my trust in the people. Um, because, you know, I've had a lot of people, you know, from, you know, family members to, you know, people that I don't know, just a lot of people just, just money hungry, you know, and, you know, obviously they see that I, you know, that, you know, I'm doing well for myself. So, obviously they, you know, well, I remember uh, one of my boys, he told me, he said, E, he said, and it was after like a situation that occurred. He said, E, the moment that you realize that everybody's trying to take your money that's in your pocket and put it in their pocket at any form or fashion, then that, that'll that be the day that you understand how this shit go. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to, I'm starting to understand that a lot more and more. Does the NFL offer any assistance in dealing with these sort of financial issues? Well, they got they got player they got player development guys for uh, stuff like that. But even then, like a player development guy can prepare, can prepare you for certain stuff. But at the end of the day, like if it's somebody who you you thought would never cross you or like it'd be the people that you think like that love you unconditionally that that you know they can't prepare you for those people turning their back on you right and a lot of people sit back and say well shoot you know if 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 i had that much money i wouldn't even let the problems bother me like come on we're human and i hate when people say that like money don't make you happy it's crazy i read something with jim carrey and jim Car- jim carrey said i wish that everybody could could attain as much money as they want and gain as much celebrity and fame as they want and then they'll they'll realize that that's that's not exactly what they wanted or that's not the that's not the answer to the problem right and uh you know i just want i just want to see everybody be able to try to balance these eggs because it's not easy you know and so the reason how i've been able to deal with it is I i just don't give a damn right like you hit my phone i don't care eric have you splurged on something that you and your wife may not have agreed on Oh, I bought my Cullinan. Oh, she was hot. My Rolls Royce truck. Oh my God, I got cussed out for that so bad. But 
I, I wanted, like, we were about to spend X amount of dollars into building our new home. And I'm like, dog, if we're going to build a new home, I'm not about to put no, just no ordinary car inside of this such and such house. Like, that makes zero sense. Like, it's like, oh, my God, he has this beautiful home, but he comes out in a Prius. Ah. Like, I get it. Like, it's efficient. It's saving money. But that's not what I want, right? So I bought a Cullinan, and I barely drive it, but it looks nice. It's my favorite car. It's the nicest car in the world to me. So I whip it around. You know, she hates it, but... She be wanting to ride in that thing sometimes, you know what I'm saying? What if he date night? You might go to like the little, you know, the little restaurant or something. She be like, we taking your car? I be like, oh, now you want to take my car? Man, whatever. So just like the guys are saying, when you get money, it's not like you got a little bit of bread in your pocket. Like life really changes dramatically. You have friends, you have family, you have strangers. Hey, I have this great idea. And they're never really great ideas. And most of the time, they're a complete bullshit. I had a guy approach me, right? And the product goes like this. It was called the Barmaster. So imagine taking a, a bottle of liquor, placing it on a scale that measures how much is in it. And then when that bartender takes that bottle out, pours a drink, when you put that bottle back down, you know how much is going. That information is sent to a computer. That system calculates how much that bartender should have charged for that drink. I own the restaurant. I know how much money is lost at the bar. So I'm thinking, this is genius. This is actually going to change. It's going to change everything. This is where it gets crazy. The guy approaches me like, yo, you know, I know you're a ball player, Nate. I'm a big fan. We'd love to, for you to invest. You know, the, the investment, it starts at about... Uh, half a million dollars. I'm like, bro, I'm not, I'm not giving you $500,000. Like, you crazy? It's like, yeah, but we got this guy and this guy owns half of California and this person created this business. I'm talking about people that made my football money look small. So that was the first thing they did. Convince me that other people are in it. So it's a legitimate business. I'm still hesitant, right? I'm training in Arizona. This guy pulls up to my apartment in Arizona in a Ferrari. He was like, so-and-so sent me from the bar master. I'm like, okay, what are you doing here? They hand me the keys, right? I'm like, what is this? He's like, Oh, you just drive around it for a while. I'm like, I got a rental. I'm good. I'm good. He's like, no, no. They wanted you to have this, man. You can hold on to it for a week, two weeks, a month. They're buttering me up. Still was hesitant. My advisor, my team, we always thought three red flags, you're gone. The guy's like, Nate, how you how you liking a Ferrari? I'm like, I'm good. He's like, hey, the, the uh the trade show in Vegas is coming up. You want to go to Vegas? I know you're in Arizona. But I just don't even feel like going to the airport and getting the ticket. We'll get you a ticket. Matter of fact, we'll get you a jet. You want to invite somebody? PJ, on us, all right? I'll call my boy. You want to go to Vegas? Hop on this private jet. Just me and my boy. We land in Vegas. We got a suite at the wind. And then we go to this investment meeting. I don't know people were spending this type of money and investing this type of money, but I'm part of it. So after the investment meeting, we go downstairs to the club. We're in the club. The guy comes over, the guy who runs it. Nate, man, I'm glad you're going to be on board, man. You know, I know it took some convincing, but I'm telling you, man, this is going to be a game changer for you. And then... The waiter hands the bill for the night. It was $82,000. I'm looking down and I'm like, why are you spending $82,000 with money you haven't made yet? Because the product wasn't even on the market. And that was the third red flag. The product made sense. I invested it in the guy who ran into the ground. And those red flags that he showed me, whenever he did something suspicious, sent me a car, forced me to Vegas, those are the reasons why I shouldn't have invested. 
I was in a long list of people getting their money back, which I did, thankfully. Took a long time and I had to spend money to get my own money back because that's how lawsuits work. But that is the ultimate lesson. So my advice for all you young guys that are falling into a wealthy space, start working on the things that make you you because they will be grossly exaggerated once you get that wealth. It's time for Quick Outs. One of last week's more intriguing matchups was the Dolphins versus the Cardinals, a.k.a. Tua versus Kyler. Jamal crossed paths with Tua a few years back, and Jamal still remembers what he saw. Man, he's a bad boy. Tua, I, I knew Tua was going to be special when I seen him at the Nike opening. He was out there uh, throwing against those guys, and I was a counselor. Uh, this is right before I entered the league. You know, the league. Um, this is my junior year at LSU, and just seeing him rip the ball and seeing what he could do out of all the quarterbacks out there, he was he was the best one. And I knew he had he had potential to be special. And then when he went to Alabama, won the championship on that last drive, I knew he was going to be special. Like it just. Nothing he does shocks me. And I've always had respect for, for uh, Mr. Tua, man. And I wish him well. I really do. I hope, I hope he does well. But when I see him, I hope he doesn't do too well. Uh, but, man, he's he's outstanding. He's outstanding uh, um, football player, but outstanding person as well. Even though he may have lost to Tua this past Sunday, Kyler has left a lasting impression on Emmanuel. You know, I respect Tua. I haven't seen him play too much. But one thing I will talk about is Kyler Murray. Like, I saw an interview in which, you know, he was just sitting there. Uh, the next thing you know, the reporter was like, how does it feel to have the number one offense in the league? And he looked around, he's like, is that true? Right? He, and he looked at, at, like, one of the PR people, and they're like, yeah, that's true. He was like, 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 amazed, right? And that just goes to show, like, he's just out there playing football. He's still that same kid from high school to peewee football that's just out there just, just doing what he does. And, uh, man, the guy is like on the rise, becoming one of the best players in the in the in the at that position. He's he's playing well. He's scary. I saw it last year when I was in San Fran. Like I don't know why. Every time he touched the ball, it's like my heart started beating. He's like a more dangerous Russell Wilson to me. He's just young. Like with Russell, like I get those feelings of heart beating. I'm like, all right, like we can get to him a little bit. But this dude is like a little rabbit just running around the field and nobody can catch him. And I'm just like, somebody hit him. So, you know, I got a lot of respect uh, for him and Tua, man. They're, they're, uh, they're good for the NFL, right? Ex-North Carolina Tar Heel Eric is happy with this weekend's victory over Duke, but explains who UNC's biggest football rivalry really is. It's more NC State, and I'll tell you why. It's not because Duke is not a good football team or we don't have a rivalry with them. It's just that UNC Raleigh just talks way too much. And it's it's been that way. And we never understood it. And what really threw us over the edge was my final year there, they painted the UNC, uh, UNC, the North Carolina State uh, silhouette with the wolf pack going through it. Now, ECU does that to their field. So... We was like, that's so like corny. So like for me, that that was like my total like rubbed the wrong way from NC State. And I hated them really ever since then. So once they like stole ECU symbol and tried to claim the, the, the Tar Heel State as their state, I'm like, like I said, I hate disrespect, bro. Like this is like the Cincinnati situation. Like I felt like y'all tried to disrespect us before the game even happened. For me, that kind of showed me like that was the biggest rivalry between NC State and Duke. But I felt like NC State has always been our rival. 
In commemoration of Veterans Day, Emmanuel would like to salute and thank all veterans. Yeah, my uh, my stepfather uh, is in the army. Got got a tremendous amount of respect for uh, veterans. Not only veterans, just people that, that that are in the army and fight for this country. You know, it doesn't go unnoticed. And uh, so, I think this game, you know, I'm, I'm gonna do like some uh, cleats or something just to show, you know, love how you know they show us love. And even though we don't know them and, and we don't know what they do, just know that. It's a reason why we are protected in America. Turns out Coach Tomlin helps Eric focus on the game ahead by texting the Steeler tight end. Hold on, Mike Tomlin just texts me. Shh, don't talk about it. He texts me every Tuesday, talk about, it's, let's go. You know, he be, he be pumping me up. He be getting me ready. Not really motivational, but it's like, it's kind of like my daily reminder for like who I am. It keeps me center focus you know I think he knows that I think he knows I think he knows how, what what like my little points my little pressure point so he sends me to like start my week off like you know it's, it's usually about this time it's usually about 7 30 8 o'clock he's usually in his office he's probably watching film he's probably thinking about you know who's his matchup and he's probably I probably come across his mind and he's probably he sends me a text he, and and he knows I'm gonna respond because I, I love that shit like I get amped up like ah like <laughs> like for me it's like oh it's energy. Eric would like to pay respect to what may be his favorite inanimate object. Yeah, man, shout out to Sony, man. You know, uh, I know the NFL, big Microsoft, y'all. You know I'm talking about, but you know me, I've been Sony till the day I die. So Sony, you know, what I'm saying PS4 be here. Oh, uh, PS, excuse me. I love you, PS4. That's why I can never get your name out my mouth. But PlayStation Five, good lord, I see you on Thursday, baby. I can't wait. I can't turn up, you know what I'm saying? Hey, nah, but for real, you know, shout out Microsoft. I see what y'all doing. You know what I'm saying? I just, I can't get with y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But, hey, Sony, PS5, we in there, baby. I can't wait for this week. Oh, my God. Jamal would like to offer his fans some words to live by. You know, find your happiness. Do what you love to do. If you wake up and you're happy going to your job or doing whatever you, your dreams or whatever, if you're happy, you're doing it right. You're, you're, you're embracing your gift. But if you're not, you got to find your gift because you haven't found it yet because you need to be happy. Happiness is important. God bless all, man. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of 17 Weeks. The show is brought to you by Uninterrupted, SiriusXM, and Pandora. You can listen on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to it, though, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when the new episode drops every Thursday. And if you like what you heard and you can't tell me that you don't because we are the realest podcast in the business, spread the love. Come on. Share the show. All right. We appreciate you. I'm your host, Nate B. Shout out to my co-host, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders and Eric Ebron. The show is executive produced by John Fontanelli. Our producer is Josh Rodriguez. Our associate producer is Logan Castrodale. Editing and sound design by Chris Weatherspoon. The show is also produced by Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Brandon Gitches, Senior Director, Podcast Production at SiriusXM. Andy King, Director, Sports Programming at SiriusXM. It's written by John McLaughlin. Archival sound courtesy of the NFL Network. Veterans, those who protect and serve this country, we appreciate you. You guys are the thread that helps keeps this country together. All right, till next week, we out. <laughs>